Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days, where we feature the best of old-time radio for your listening enjoyment. We started off the year saying we would bring music, comedy, and adventure. Well, music and comedy is out, and we're back to what works. Adventure, detective, lawman, and suspense. Your old favorites will be regulars. Dragnet, Gunsmoke, Dangerous Assignment, Suspense, Johnny Dollar, Texas Rangers. You get my drift. The good stuff. Thanks for being with us and staying with us. And tell a friend. And enjoy those old radio commercials along the way. And now, our show. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though, trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize this assignment's going to wind up with me playing the little kid's game of King of the Mountain. The only difference is, in this game I'm playing, whoever loses gets killed. Good morning, Commissioner. Ruth said you had an assignment for me. I do, Steve. Well, what's the deal this time? You'll be looking for a piece of paper that's vital to us right now. Oh? Somebody steal it? Yes. What is it, a secret treaty or something like that? No, it's a hospital temperature chart. Uh, hey, you know, for a minute I thought you that's said... just what I did say, a hospital temperature chart and a complete set of medical records. Now, look, Commissioner, fun is fun, This but... is no joke, Steve. You know, I think you're serious. You bet I am. Well, in that case, you better start at the beginning. Whose medical records are they, and why are they so important? Steve, see this map of Eastern Europe, this country? Yeah, what about it? For some time, it's been torn apart politically. During the last few years, a popular leader has arisen who's been able to do the one thing nobody else has before him. To unite his country under a democratic form of government. You're talking about Carl Zander? That's right. You have any idea where Zander is right now? Why, well, it seems to me I read that he was taking a vacation somewhere in the Austrian Alps. Steve Carl Zander is a patient at the Whittington Clinic right here in the United States. What? Yes, it's been a very closely guarded secret, or rather it was, up until a few days ago. Wait a minute, you said there were some medical records stolen. Were they Zander's records? Yes, how they found out Zander was in the clinic, we don't know, but they did. And hired a man to steal the records. We know the man's name, and we've got a description of it. But who'd want to steal medical records? Steve Carlzander is a very sick man. The uh, specialists at the clinic uh, all agreed he'll pull through, but right now you'd never be able to tell that by looking at his medical records. I think I'm beginning to get it, Commissioner. Isn't there an election coming up in a couple of weeks in Zandor's country? That's right, Steve. Imagine what would happen if a highly organized minority in that country plastered copies of those medical reports all over the front page. They could make it look as if Xander was dying. That would cause the defeat of Xander's party. And three years of building toward democracy would go down the drain. I see. That makes those medical records pretty hot, Commissioner. Xander has asked for our cooperation, Steve. I told him we'd do everything we possibly can. You say you know who swiped the records from the clinic? Yes, a man named Duvac. He posed as a grocery truck driver to gain admittance to the clinic. Any idea where Duvac is now? I think he's on a ship named the Southern Empress en route to the Portuguese colony of Macau on the China coast. Sort of taken a roundabout way, isn't he? Yes, and we think it's to cover his tracks. Well, can't you radio the skipper of the ship? No. This thing has to be kept absolutely quiet, Steve. So I'm elected to fly over to Macau and meet the boat, huh? Yes, and your plane leaves in one hour. You'll just barely make it to Macau before the boat loads. Any contacts over there who can help me? One, a Lieutenant Braga of the police. Steve, get over to Macau, work with Braga, intercept Duvac, and above all, get those records back. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. The National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, colorful two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you'll find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment.
Well, I've chased a lot of strange things in my time, but never a set of medical records. On the surface, it sounds like a cinch, but I've got an uneasy feeling that before the deal's over, somebody will be making out a set of medical records on me. It's Monday evening when my plane lands in Macau. I check with Police Lieutenant Braga, and the two of us head to the waterfront. We get there just in time to see the Southern Empress docking. We go aboard and find out from the purse of the Dufax cabin is 23B. Your meter, you have a description of this man, Duvac? Yes, Lieutenant Braga. I've got a picture of him right here in my pocket. Oh, I might observe, senor, that the simplicity of this assignment makes it a refreshing change from the ordinary run of things for, for me here in Manacau. Oh, yeah? We know who our man is. We have a description of him. We know his stateroom number. So, we arrest him and recover the papers you seek. And it is all over. Well, I hope you're right. Here we are. Two, three, B... Hey, the door is ajar. Mitchell. Yeah? A man lying on the floor. Yeah, come on. Is he dead? No, unconscious. Who is he? Search me. He isn't Duvok. That's a cinch. Come on, Buster. Snap out of it. Braga, how about getting that pitcher of water over there? Very well. Strange, too, that he should be lying there in his undershirt. Yeah. Looks like the deal isn't going to be quite as easy as we figured, Braga. No. Here you are, Mitchell. Thanks. Well, looks like the water was what you needed, Buster. Come on now, snap out of it. Well, I'm... That's what we'd like to know. Who are you? I'm the steward. I was called in here by Mr. Duvac to get his luggage. I opened the door. That's the last I remember. Wait a minute. Where's my white coat? My cap? Mitchell. Yeah, looks like Duvac figured he'd have a better chance of getting ashore unnoticed if he dressed as a steward. Come, I have men stationed on the pier. We will check with him. But none of Braga's men remember seeing a man in a steward's uniform come ashore. Of course, he could have slipped by in the dark. Braga orders the whole area patrol, but all of a sudden I get a different hunch. If Duvac is this smart, maybe he's even smarter. I go back aboard the Southern Empress and look up the captain who's still up on the bridge. I'm afraid I don't understand, Mitchell. If this man Duvac has already slipped ashore in a steward's uniform, why... Maybe he has, Captain. But on the other hand, maybe that's what he wants us to think he's done. I see. Well, you have my permission to search the ship. Of course, that'll take quite a while. There's a lot of places where a man could hide. I know. That's why I'd like to stay up here on the bridge. What do you mean? Well, from here I can watch the side of the ship. Oh, you figure that he... Wait a minute. What is it? Seems to me I just saw something come out of one of those portholes down there. Oh, rather hard to see in the dark. Yeah. Want me to turn on the searchlight? No, no, not yet. Yes, I see it now. It's a rope dangling from the porthole. And somebody's starting to climb down it. Okay, Captain, hit that searchlight. Right. There he goes, climbing down the rope to the water. Dilvac, hold it! Mitchell, he let go of the rope and dropped to the water. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm going after him, Captain. Keep that light on him. I dive for a spot a few feet away from Duvac. The water hits me like a hand across the face. When I come up, Duvac is swimming for the center of the channel. I take off after him. Start gaining. Half a dozen more strokes and I've got him. Let go of me! Come on, Duvac. We're going back to the ship. Okay, you want to play rough, huh? I'll oblige you. I jerk my head around just in time to see a tugboat bearing down us. I try to get Duvac out of the way, but it's too late. Awful heavy hits me a glancing blow on the side of the head, and all of a sudden, I've had it. What do you think, Captain? I don't know, Lieutenant Braga. The tug didn't hit him square, sort of a glancing blow. Maybe. Oh. Hey. Sounds like he's starting to come out of it. Mitchell. Mitchell. What? Oh, Lieutenant Braga. Si, senor. And the captain. Hey, look. Where am I? Last I remember I was in the water watching that tugboat climb my frame. You're back aboard ship, Mitchell. We fished you out just before you went under for the third time. Oh, well, thanks for the lift. I... Hey, what about Duvac? Well, Duvac was not as fortunate as you, Mitchell. The tugboat hit him squarely. He was killed. Did you recover the body? See, si, but the papers you are after, the medical reports, they, they were not on the body. What? Are you sure about that? Quite sure. We searched the corpse thoroughly. But that doesn't add up. Look, we know that Duvac had those papers and was trying to get them ashore. 
He slugged the steward and swiped his uniform to make it look like he was going ashore that way. See, and then he tried to leave the ship later by means of the rope down the side. All this we know, Mitchell. But the fact remains, those papers were not on him. Uh, well, I guess that leaves us two possibilities, Braga. What are they? Either those papers are still in Duvac's state rumor, somebody took them ashore for him. In that case, Mitchell. Yeah, in that case, we're falling behind fast. Let's go to work on the first possibility. That the papers are still in Duvac's state room. Yeah, we'll give the place a frisk, Captain. I wonder if you could have that steward meet us in the stateroom. Sure. He might be able to give us a line on whom Duvac was running around with aboard ship. Somebody who might be carrying the mail for him. Well, it appears we may now throw out that first possibility, Mitchell. Yeah, we've gone over this stateroom like a vacuum cleaner, but we sure haven't turned up those papers. Come in. Captain said you wanted to see me, Mr. Yeah, I do, Stuart. Look, do you happen to know if the dead man, Duvac, was particularly friendly with any of the passengers? Well, I'm afraid I can't help you there. I don't... What is it? Wait a minute. Yeah, I just remembered. The, the woman. What woman? Well, an American, I believe. What's her name? Miss, Miss Barlow, I think. Who's Miss Barlow? Oh, uh, one of the passengers. I remember seeing Mr. Duvac with her quite frequently the last few days. Happen to know if she smokes... Uh, why, yes. Yes, she does. Why? We found a cigarette butt with lipstick in the ashtray. Oh, I see. Uh, you think this Miss Barlow is the person you're looking for? I don't know. Well, thanks, Stuart. I... <laughs> Looks like we've got company. Oh, oh I, I'm sorry. I have made a mistake. Oh, who are you? I, I, my name is Kessler, but I do not see that that concerns you. Maybe it does. Are you looking for something or someone? Why, as a matter of fact, I was a friend of mine. But it is obvious I have the wrong stateroom. I apologize. Yeah, I wonder if he did have the wrong stateroom or not. Mm, so do I. He happens to be a rather unsavory character, Mitchell. Oh, oh, you know him? Yes, he operates a bar here in Macau. Well, it might be a good idea to keep an eye on him. Yes, it would not surprise me to find that he was involved. Uh, he may not have anything to do with it, but we're pretty short of leads right now, so we've got to follow up anything that looks even possible. I agree. I will have his bar watched. Good. In the meantime, I'll check with uh, this Miss Barlow. I believe she's already left the ship, Mr. Mitchell. Oh. Well, in that case, I'll try to locate her ashore, see if I can find out just how good a friend of Duvac she was. <laughs> I check with the purser and learn that Miss Barlow left the ship 20 minutes ago, so I go ashore. On the dock, I see a line of rickshaw boys waiting for passengers. I go over to one of them. When he sees me coming, his face lights up like a pinball game. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Fine, rickshaw, you try. Oh, yes. In a minute, maybe. In a minute, maybe. Oh, yes. Right now, I'd like a little information. Little information. Oh, yes. Your mother frightened by a parrot or something? Look, tell me. Did you see a woman come off that ship about 20 minutes ago? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You did? Where'd she go? Oh, yes. Fine rickshaw. You try. Take your strange places with faraway names. Oh, yes. You know, I can see this is not exactly a meeting of the minds. Meeting of minds. Oh, yes. All right. All right. Now, look, Buster. How do you know my name? Huh? Don't tell me your name is Buster. No, name is... Now, look. Oh, fine. Okay, now look. Now look. I mean, now... Oh, you call me twice, but there is only one of me. What I'm trying to say... Ah, uh, just take me into town, will you? I check all the hotels in Macau and find out that Miss Barlow registered at the Splendida. I charge over there in my trusty rickshaw and learn that she's in the bar, so I go in and slide on the stool next to her. Well, say... That one? Uh, look, maybe I better go out and come in again. Oh, no, silly. I was just wondering what in the world I'd ever do if a strange man came into the bar and sat right down beside me. And then along you came and you know, I didn't even bat a little old eye. Well, now, that's real brave of you, ma'am. And not even a quiver out of your martini, either. Oh, now you're poking fun at me, mister. Uh, Mitchell. Steve Mitchell. Well, I'm Susan Barlow. Oh, taking a vacation, Susan? Taking a vacation? I should say not, Steve. I'm starting a whole new career. That's just how bold I am. Oh, what mm -hmm. kind of a career are you starting? I'm going to travel all around the whole wide world and write down just about every little old thing I see, Steve. Well, that sounds like a pretty big order. <laughs> so you're going to be a writer, huh? Sure enough, I am. You see, Steve, I'm a school teacher in New England, and I decided one day that I was. Whoa, 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 just a minute. Huh? Where did you say you came from? New England. That's what I thought you said. Well, southern part, of course. Oh, of course. And now I'm just out looking for color, Steve. I see. 
Did you find any of it on the boat? Did I? Well, you'd never in the world believe it, but I found it. Probably more. not, but how about interesting characters? You meet any of them? I sure enough did. A fellow named Duvac, for instance? I don't remember the name particularly. Oh? Of course, I met so many people on board. I heard that you and Duvac were pretty friendly. Now, Mr. Mitchell, where I come from... Uh, southern New England, that is. A gentleman takes a lady's word for things. And come to think about it, I don't hanker to answer any more of your nosy old questions. I'm asking you right now to quit testing me, Mr. Mitchell. Else now, I'll, I'll short up report you. Report me? To whom? Never you mind whom. I'll just report you. You know, Miss Corn Pony, that you're sure enough on the level. Well, that's a powerful good act you're putting on. And sooner or later, I'm sure enough going to find out which... Three chimes mean good times on NBC. There's adventure in the air tomorrow evening as NBC brings you another authentic story of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae stars as a modern-day agent of the law. Times have changed, and the Rangers ride automobiles instead of cayuses, but they're still the same hard-bitten group riding down from the plains of Texas. And also tomorrow, galloping down from the plains of Hollywood, will be the hilarious Harrises to bring you another chaotic, confusing, and delightful domestic saga on the Phil Harris Alice Fay Show. You are listening to Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Well, along about now, I figure it's time to get back with Lieutenant Braga. I find him in the bar owned by Kessler, the man who stuck his nose into Duvac's stateroom. Did you find Miss Barlow, Mitchell? Yeah, I sure did. Well, what about her? That's what I'd like to know. Hmm? What do you mean? She's so phony, she must be legit. Phony? Legit? Well, that sounds confusing. Well, if it does, it's because I am. You found out anything about this Kessler? No, and he doesn't seem to be here in his bar at the moment. Well, it's possible, of course, that Kettler doesn't have anything to do with the deal. He could have been telling us the truth. Maybe he really was looking for a friend and just wandered into Duvac's stateroom by mistake. Yes, that possibility, of course, has occurred to me, too. You know, I'm beginning to think that nothing about this deal makes sense, Braga. Look, Duvac swipes some pretty important medical records back in the States and takes off with them. He mm. comes to Macau aboard the Southern Empress and then tries to make us think he sneaked ashore in a steward's uniform. But actually, he attempts to escape from the ship by means of the rope. Sure, and up to there it all figures. But when you fished his body out of the drink, the papers weren't on him, and they weren't in the stateroom either. Perhaps he had already passed them to a confederate. Yeah, that's about the only possibility left. And this character, Kessler, would qualify as a good suspect, except for one thing. You mean if Duvac had somehow passed the papers to him, why did he come to Duvac's room? Yeah. All of which brings us back to Susan Barlow again. You sure enough never forget a name, do you, Steve? Well, hello, Susan. Have a seat. Well, thank you. Uh, this is Lieutenant Braga. I am honored, Miss Barlow. Oh, that's nice. Care for a drink, Susan? Mm, no, thanks. I can only stay a minute. I will have a cigarette, though. I want one of mine? Uh, no, thanks. I got mine right here in my bag. You know, I think I'll try one of yours, if I may. Why, sure, Steve. Here you are. Thanks. Let me see now. I got a matchbook here somewhere. Yeah, here it is. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Sort of surprised to see you again, Susan. The last time, as I remember, you were all set to report me to the nearest boy scout. Yeah, well, as a matter of fact, that's why I looked you up, Steve. I kind of wanted to apologize for being so testy. Oh, I thought maybe you were going to apologize for not telling me the truth. What in the world do you mean? You said you didn't know Duvac very well. Well, now, Lucky Steve, if you're going to start that again, I'm just going to pick up and leave. The steward aboard the ship told us that you and Duvac were together quite a lot, Susan. He did? Was that nosy, Parker? Well, how about it? Oh, all right, Steve. I guess I did tell you a little old fib about it. Why? Well, mainly because my recollection of Mr. Duvac is not a very pleasant one. Hmm? He represented himself to me as a gentleman. He said he could help me improve my writing. He sure enough had strange ideas about what improves a girl's writing. Oh, I see. Uh, look, did you ever hear him mention anything about any important papers he was carrying? Important papers? I wouldn't know anything at all about that. Hey, Miss Barlow, hmm? uh, did this Duvac ever speak of a man named Kessler, the person who owns this bar? No, I don't believe I remember the name. Well, I'd better be getting back to my hotel, Steve. I'm glad you stopped by, Susan. 
We friends again? We sure enough are. <laughs> Fine. Come and see me then, here. Sure enough. A most unusual woman, Mitchell. Yeah, you figure her out. I can't. She bats those baby blue eyes and said she wouldn't know anything about any secret papers or a man named Kessler. She appears to be telling the truth. Yeah, you're exactly right. She appears to be. If she really is, that leaves us with just one lead, Kessler. Incidentally, where is he? Yes, it does seem strange that the owner of a bar would remain away from it for so long a time. I wonder if he could have skipped town with those papers. But how could he have gotten them in the first place? I don't know. But I think we'd better find out where he lives and drop in on him. What did you say the number of Kessler's apartment was, Lieutenant? Nine, according to that bartender. Nine. That's just a couple more doors down the hall. Mitchell, if Kessler is involved... Hey! Hey! That sounded as if it came from Kessler's room. Come on! Kessler! Locked. Come on, get back here, Lieutenant. We'll have to break down the door. Very well. Okay, let's go. Didn't budge it an inch. We try it again. Yeah. Ready? Yep. Mitchell, look on the floor. Yeah. Kessler. Uh-huh. There are scissors between his shoulder blades. But where could the killer have... Wait, the window is open. Yeah. See anything? Uh, there's an alley running along the side of the building, but it's too dark to see anything. Yeah, the killer could drop out of sight with no trouble at all. Mitchell, if Kessler was stabbed to death with a pair of scissors... Scissors are a woman's weapon. Precisely what I was thinking. Well, if Kessler did have those papers, he sure doesn't have them now. Only things in his pockets are a matchbook and some loose chains. Let's take a look around the room, Braga. Very well. You think Kessler had the papers and the killer took them? I don't know. That doesn't quite boil, Lieutenant. How could Kessler have gotten the papers? And if he did have them, why did he show up at Duvac's stateroom? I do not know. Oh, this... yeah, what is it? Take a look at this ashtray. Two cigarette butts with lipstick on them. Yeah, and they're the same brand as Susan Barlow smoked. Who are you telephoning? Her hotel. Hello. Is Miss Susan Barlow there? What? How long ago? Thanks. She's not there? Checked out a half an hour ago. Mitchell, she is the killer. Sure looks that we way. We told Fitz. Remember, she left Kessler's bar before we did. That was almost an hour ago. That would give her time to check out of her hotel, come here and kill Kessler. Yeah, she could have done it, all right. I will have a dragnet put out for her at once. I suppose you'd better. Mitchell, what is the matter? Something bothers me about this setup, Lieutenant. See, what is it? I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on it, but... Hey, wait. What are you doing? Lieutenant... Do you see any other ashtrays in this room? Why, no. Only this one in front of you. Why? What's in this ashtray? Mitchell, what is the matter with you? You can see as well as I there are two cigarette butts with lipstick on them. Anything else? No, of course not. See here. Do you see a wastebasket in the room anywhere? Wastebasket? Why, no. Anything on the rug? Rug? No, not that I can see. Mitchell, have you suddenly lost your mind? No, Lieutenant. Matter of fact, I think I've just found it. What are you talking about? You see... If you can locate Susan Barlow anyway, will you? I'm going on a little errand. If my hunch is right, I don't have much time. I head for the ship, Southern Empress, in a hurry. Just as I get out of the dock, I see a figure hurrying down the gangway, suitcase in hand. I follow. He darts around the corner of a warehouse. I beat it after him. But when I get around the corner, all of a sudden, there he is, right beside me, with a gun jammed in my ribs. Looking for me, Mitchell. Yeah, Stewart. As a matter of fact, I was. Looks like you found me. Get inside the warehouse. Okay. I think I've got it all pegged now, Stewart. Yeah, that's nice. Duvac realized that it'd probably be tough for him to get those papers ashore. He knew Kessler was waiting for him, so he made a deal with you to take the papers to Kessler. Here's the door. Open it. I figured there'd be more dough in it for you if you kept the stuff, but Kessler knew you had it. That's why he came to Duvac's stateroom. That meant you had to knock him off, which you did a half an hour ago. Come on, Mitchell, inside. Hey, why you bring me in the warehouse? Quieter. Besides, they won't find your body for days with all these crates stacked around. Well, that's a jolly thought. Now I gotta hand it to you, Mitchell. Got it all figured out. How you tumble to me, I don't know, but right now it doesn't matter. Come on, move. Where to? Straight ahead. Okay. Hey, uh, where are we going? I can't see a thing in the dark. <laughs> don't worry about that, Mitchell. Because for you, it's going to get a lot darker. <laughs> 
I stumbled along the warehouse knowing that any moment he's going to pull the trigger. Then, as I'm feeling my way down the aisle between the crates, my hand brushes against something hanging on the edge of one of the crates. It's a cargo hook. I take hold of it, keeping it in front of me, and then, when we get to the next aisle, I suddenly whip around behind me and dive down the aisle. I'm halfway down the aisle by the time he gets his gun up. He's shooting blind. By now, I've got my own gun out of my pocket. I throw one down the aisle in his direction. Better call it a day, Stuart. You can't get out of here. I'm between you and the door. You want me to come after me, Mitchell? I guarantee a nice, warm reception. It's only a question of time, Stuart. Missed again, eh? Okay, it's my last shot for a while, Mitchell. It leaves me three still on the gun. Like I tell you, you can't get out of here. I got news for you, Mitchell. Neither can you. It's lighter over there near the door. You try to get out, you collect a slug. So like you said, it's a question of time. But I can wait as long as you can. All of which is getting me nowhere. It sounds like a stalemate. Then I look up. A pile of crates is about 30 feet high, and it sounds like stewards on the other side. That gives me an idea. Maybe I need a bird's eye view of him. I start climbing quietly, and it's like going up one of those pyramids. I'm almost to the top when I hear a faint sound on the other side. Then I get it. The steward has the same idea. He's climbing, too. So it looks like we're going to play king of the mountain. I flatten myself against the side of the top crate. After a few seconds, a dim figure comes into view. It's the steward holding his gun ahead of him. I hack at his wrist. <laughs> you didn't need that gun anyway. That's right. I did. A knife, huh? Yeah, yeah. Come on. I didn't get your wrist locked soon enough. I just paint you. It's only a sample of what I got for you. Yeah? Well, here's a little something for you, kid. Ah! Ah, the crate! The crate! Ah! Oh, brother. I climb down. The steward's done for. I fish in his pocket and find the papers I've been chasing, and then I go outside. There's a figure near the gangway. When he sees me, he hurries over. Oh, it's Lieutenant Braga. Major, are you all right? Yeah. I traced you here to the ship. The captain told me he had seen you following the steward down the dock. Yeah, speaking of following, did you locate Susan Barlow? Oh, yes. Hey, why did she check out of her hotel in such a hurry? So she could check in at another hotel. Huh? What other hotel? Your hotel. Why? Yes. She told me she had decided that you and she were going to be, uh, as she put it, sure enough, powerful friends. Oh, fine. And for this, I get shot at, stabbed, and nearly drowned? Uh, but Mitchell... What made you realize that the steward was behind all this? Well, when you and I first found that cigarette butt of Susan's in Duvac's stateroom, the steward was there. Remember? Yes, that is true, but... That gave him the idea. He probably had a chance to lift some out of her room when he was cleaning it. Then, when he killed Kessler, he used scissors and planted those cigarette butts in Kessler's room to make it look like Susan had done it. But uh, how did you know they had been planted there? Susan used matches instead of a lighter. There was a match book in Kessler's pocket, no lighter. But there weren't any matches on the ashtray. Ah, yes. You see, if there'd been only one cigarette, it could have been brought in lighted. But the fact that there were two of them with no matches made it look a little phony to me. Ah, so it would appear that the steward overlooked the one small detail of the match, which might have made his plan succeed. Yeah, I guess you might say he was almost a match for us. Dangerous Assignment stars Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner. Is written by Bob Reif and Adrian Jondo, with music by Robert Armbruster, and is produced and directed by Bill Carn. Others in the cast were Bill Johnstone, Tony Barrett, Tyler McVeigh, Peter Leeds, and Betty Lou Gerson. Be with us again next week at this same time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another Dangerous Assignment. <laughs> Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Who calls everybody darling? Why, Tallulah, of course. And tomorrow, Tallulah's darlings on the big show include Fred Allen, Eddie Cantor, Phil Baker, Eddie Fisher, and many more. You're invited every Sunday to the big show. And for drama tomorrow, Theater Guild on the Air presents a one-hour adaptation of Genie, starring Barry Sullivan and Margaret Phillips. 
Now stay tuned for The Man Called X on NBC. Starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though. Trouble, but... When I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to wind up with somebody trying his best to hand me a present. A load of dynamite with a lit fuse. Morning, Commissioner. Ruth left a note on my desk if you wanted to see me. Uh, incidentally, where is she? Down at the Red Cross blood bank, donating some blood. I gave her the day off. I've got a date for the same thing. Every American should donate blood to the Red Cross. But right now, take a look at this. A piece of string? Describe it to me as accurately as you can. What? Is this some kind of a game? You'll know better in a moment now. Describe that piece of string to me. Okay, okay. It's about a foot long. Eleven inches, to be exact. Okay, eleven inches. It's got four knots. Right. And they're unevenly spaced. Well, that's about all I can see. So, you're a string saver, Commissioner. Is that what you called me in here to tell me? Not exactly. In the first place, I have a hunch that's about the most important piece of string in the world right now. Why? And in the second place, it's not mine. Belonged to Jim Slater. Oh, is Jim back? That's good. Jim's dead, Steve. What? Hey, let me have that again. He was murdered in Panama the night before last. Jim Slater? Yeah, I know. He was one of your best friends, Steve. That's why I figured you'd want to take over his assignment. Yeah, I do. But I never knew what Jim was working on, Commissioner. He just dropped out of sight about a month ago. Very few people did know about his assignment, Steve. I sent him to Panama a month ago. Panama? What's going on down there? Plenty, I'm afraid. Steve... Jim Slater was down there investigating a series of thefts that have been going on for the last six months. Civilian construction camps and army engineer stations have been systematically burglarized. Look, isn't that a matter for the national police in Panama? Then what's been stolen makes it strictly our business, Steve. Oh, well, what has been stolen? Dynamite. And that's what Jim Slater was working on, huh? That's right. And it looks like he was on the trail or something, Steve. They found his body in an apartment in Panama City... The apartment had been ransacked and all his papers and reports had been burned. But I still don't see what that piece of string's got to do with all this. The string was found in Slater's pocket, Steve. It was flown up here immediately. Right now, it's our only lead. Any contacts in Panama who can help me? Yes, Major Dean of Army Intelligence. Steve, get down there and work with Dean. Try to figure out what that string means. And above all, find that stolen dynamite before it's too late. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignments, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, colorful, two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you'll find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. Jerry, I've got my assignment. Fly down to Panama and find out who's been stealing dynamite and where they've got it hidden before they blow up the whole joint. All I've got to go on is a piece of string that may not have anything to do with it. A real cinch. It's Tuesday when my plane lands in Panama, and I head for Army Intelligence Headquarters and Major Dean. I've been expecting you, Mitchell. Looks like a sweet mess they've dropped in your lap. Yeah. According to the commissioner, there's been enough dynamite stolen over the past six months to blow up the whole works down here. Just about. You know, there hasn't been much talk or publicity about the canal lately, but it's still just as important as ever. If for any reason our ships couldn't use it in the event of war, it could be pretty disastrous. I know. Look, I brought this piece of string with me, oh. Dean, and right now I'm feeling slightly foolish about it all. I don't blame you. Piece of string, 11 inches long with four knots in it. Yeah. That's supposed to be the key to the whole deal. Uh, do you think it is? I don't know what to think, Mitchell. All I know is they found it in Slater's pocket. Yeah. He well, must have been pretty close. That's obviously why he was killed. Mm -hmm. How about his apartment? Have you got a key? Yeah, we've kept it locked up since the murder. Uh, here it is. 
I'll write down the address for you. Okay, thanks. I'll take a look around there and see if I can find anything that'll help make some sense out of this hunk of string. So I head for Slater's apartment. I search it from one end to the other, but all his papers have been destroyed and there's nothing in the apartment to give me any leads at all. Just as I'm finishing up, the doorbell rings. Yeah? Oh, uh, Jim here? Jim? Jim Slater. This is his apartment, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, look, is he here or not? Who are you? Well, my name's Ferguson. I'm a friend of Jim's. Say, what is all this? Come on in. Where is Jim Slater? Dead. What? How did it happen? An accident? No, he was murdered. Murdered? By by whom? That's what I'm trying to find out. You say you're a friend of Jim's. He was murdered a couple of days ago. It's strange that you didn't know about it. Well, I, I've been in the interior for the last couple of weeks. Oh? Look, if I'd known he was dead, would I come up here to see him? I don't suppose so. How long have you known Slater? Just since he came down here to Panama a couple of months ago. But we seemed to hit it off real well right from the start. How did the two of you meet? Why, in a bar, as a matter of fact. Uh, look, all these questions. Who are you? My name is Mitchell. I'm a friend of Slater's, too. Oh. Did he tell you why he was down here in Panama? Well, he said he was just knocking around. I see. How about you? You work here? Yeah. I'm a civilian employee of the Army Engineers down oh, here. Oh? What kind of work do you do? Allocation of supplies, material. I see. Must be a pretty big job. Keeps me busy, all right. I guess the Army engineers have about every kind of supplies there are, all the way from safety pins to dynamite, huh? Yeah. Look, you any idea why Slater was killed? Not the slightest, Ferguson. I thought maybe you might be able to help me there. What do you mean by that, Mitchell? Well, just that maybe knew you knew of someone who might have a reason for killing him. Oh. Well, afraid I don't. You didn't know any of his other friends, huh? Uh, just Alice. Who's she? Alice Gaines, a nurse out at Santo Tomas Hospital. The three of us used to do the town once in a while. I'm sure she couldn't possibly have had anything to do with it. Well, probably not. Okay, Ferguson, thanks for the information. I go out to the hospital and ask for Alice Gaines. They tell me she's out on the grounds with a patient. Outside, one of the orderlies points her out to me, and she's wheeling an old fellow along in one of the walks in a wheelchair. Miss Gaines? Yes. I'm Steve Mitchell, a friend of Jim Slater's. Oh, Jim. You've heard about his death. Yes, I have. I'd like to talk to you for a moment, if I may. All right. This is Senor Morales, one of my patients. Senor Morales? How do you do? Senor, would you excuse me? Of course, my child. I will sit here. It feels good in the sun. All right, Mr. Mitchell. Ever since I read the story of Jim's murder in the papers, I haven't been able to think of anything else. Mr. Mitchell, who could have done such a thing? That's what I'm trying to find out, Miss Gaines. How well did you know Jim? Well, we hadn't known each other but a month or so. I felt I knew him pretty well. Well enough to worry about him anyway. Worry about him? Oh, he seemed so unsettled, just sort of drifting around. Claimed he was looking for a job, but he never seemed to be enthusiastic about it. I see. Instead, he spent a lot of time hanging around bars with some pretty unsavory characters. What do you mean by that? Oh, bunch of political agitators, people like that. I used to read the riot act to him about it. He'd just sort of laugh and kid me out of it. Now he's gone. It's pretty hard to believe. Yeah. Mr. Mitchell, do you think one of those people he used to hang around with could have killed him? I don't know. That's possible. But why? Look, you're asking me questions I can't answer right now, but thanks very much for the information you've given me. I'll see you later. you've collected yourself a couple of suspects, Ferguson and Alice Gaines. Yeah. You think they could be working together? I doubt it. If they are, why would Ferguson tip me off about her in the first place? Uh, that's right. It doesn't figure. Now, you say that neither of them apparently knew what Slater was doing here in Panama? That's what they told me. Whether they were lying or not is something else again. Oh, speaking of something else, how about that piece of string? You got any glimmer on where it figures in this deal? Not the slightest. Matter of fact, I'm beginning to think there's no connection at all. Well, you may be right. What time is it, Steve? Twenty minutes past midnight. Well, there's not much more we can do tonight. Let's... Excuse me, will you? Mm -hmm. Major Dean speaking. Hello, Yeah? Yeah? What? Let's have that again. Yeah, where? Oh, that's I see. How long ago? 
Okay, we'll be right over. Something the matter? I'll say there is. That outfit must think they're really safe again now they've knocked off Slater. What do you mean? They just pulled a raid on a civilian construction company in a little town about a dozen miles from here. And got away with 50 cases of dynamite. Why? Yeah, but I think we've got one of them. They're holding him out there for us, a native named Miguel. Come on, I want to talk to this Miguel real bad. Maybe I can trade this piece of string for a real live suspect. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. There's fun tomorrow on NBC with two of your favorite families. There's The Blandings, starring Cary Grant and Betsy Drake as Mr. and Mrs. Blandings, the owners of the beautiful, expensive, and troublesome dream house. And the hilarious Harrises with Frankie, Brother Willie, Julius, and all the other favorites of the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. That's tomorrow and every Sunday for Mr. and Mrs. Blandings, starring Cary Grant and Betsy Drake, and the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Now back to Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Major Dean and I take off with the construction company's camp a dozen miles out of the city. There's a man waiting for us when we pull up in front of the shack. That's right. I'm Barrows, the night watchman. Barrows? This is Major Dean. Evening, Major. Hello, Barrows. Suppose you tell us what happened. Well, I was making my rounds an hour or so ago thought I saw something in the shadows near one of the sheds. So I went over to investigate and got jumped. Who jumped you? A couple of natives. Mm-hmm. I managed to clip one of them, but the other was giving me a bad time. While we were fighting, I heard a truck pull up in front of the shed where we store the dynamite. Long about then, I got tagged over the right ear and went out. Yeah, it's a nasty cut you got. But I must have been out only a couple of minutes because when I came to, the shed door was open and the truck was just pulling away. I saw a native running after the truck, trying to get aboard. So I scrambled around in the brush, found my gun, and threw a shot after him. Did you hit him? Well, he let out a yip. The truck speeded up, and the native took off into the bushes. And I followed. Five minutes later, I spied a guy hurrying along a dirt road. Same guy? Well, I couldn't be sure, but it must have been, because he was bleeding from the shoulder. But he denied having any part in it. Only thing he'd tell me was that his name is Miguel. Where is he now? Well, I bandaged his shoulder and... Locked him in the shack here. The shoulder. Did it look like a bullet wound to you? Sure did. Okay, good work, Barrows. Let's talk to him, Major. All right, sir. Now, here, uh, I'll just unlock this for you. Oh, thanks. Go ahead. Hello, Miguel. I don't know you. We want to ask you a few questions. Well, I don't know any answers. Why are you boys stealing dynamite? I don't steal no dynamite. What are you planning on using it for? Tell you, I don't steal no dynamite. How'd you get that bullet wound in your shoulder, then? Well, it's not a bullet wound. It's a cut from a knife. Oh. Now, look here, Miguel. Just a minute, Dean. Let's have him tell us how he got the knife cut, then. Go ahead, Miguel. Well, uh, there was a fight in the container in the barn. I got in the way, and all of a sudden, the knife cuts my shoulder. I see. Well, what were you doing near the construction camp here? Oh, just walking along the road, bleeding. All of a sudden, the Americano, he jumped out at me, and he say, I steal the dynamite, and he locked me up in here. I don't steal no dynamite. You know, I think you're telling the truth, Miguel. You what? Say, I, I tell the truth. Well, I don't, don't lie. Uh, don't you think he's telling the truth, Major? Well, yeah. Yeah, I, I think he is, too. Well, it's good to hear. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter much anymore now that we know the big boy behind the operation. Yeah, that's, that's right, Steve. He's the one we're really after anyway. Okay, Miguel. You can shove off. Oh, gracias. Better keep out of these barroom brawls after this, huh? Oh, see, Miguel, stay out of the cantinas. Here, I better tell Barrows. Well, did you find out what you wanted to from him? We're letting him go, Barrows. You're let. Hey, what's the deal? We're convinced he's innocent. Okay, get going, Miguel. Buenas noches. Are you guys crazy? If he isn't mixed up in this deal, I'll. Hold it, Barrows. Hmm? You know, Steve, you were leaving me behind there for a minute. I finally caught on. Look, will somebody kindly tell me what this is all about? I don't think Miguel's too smart. He probably figures right now that he's put one over on us, and that's just what I want him to think. I still don't see why you told him you thought he was innocent. Mitchell also told him he knew who the big boy bossing the whole operation is. Well, do you? No, but if Miguel thinks we know who his boss is, he might try to warn him. And in the process, lead us to him. Oh, I see. He's out of sight now, Dean. Come on, let's tag along. 
We tail Miguel, keeping well back. He takes a dirt road to the village a mile or so away, and then he heads straight for the nearest bar. Dean and I wait a couple of minutes, and then we go inside. So Miguel was going to stay out of the cantinas, huh? Yeah, no willpower, I guess. Come on, let's ease over to this corner of the bar and try and keep ourselves as inconspicuous as possible. Okay, Steve. Hey, that's funny. What is? I don't see him anywhere. No, I don't either. So he didn't come in here just for a drink. You think he knew we were telling him, ducked out the back door? Maybe, yeah. We'd better... Hold it. Yeah, Miguel, coming out. Turn your back. We don't want him to spot us. Right. All right. Went outside. Hmm. He must have given the message to somebody in that back room. Think we ought to crash that party back there? We don't need to. Take a look. Yeah. Big guy in a white suit. Hey, that's Parker. Who's he? He owns this bar. We've had our eye on him for quite a while. Subversive? We've always thought so. Now it looks like we were right. Watch it. He's coming by us. Got a package in his hand about the size of a book. Yeah. Come on, let's see who he takes it to. If it is a book, I've got a hunch it makes pretty interesting reading. Parker gets in a car outside the bar and heads for the city. Major Dean and I follow. About 30 minutes later, he pulls up in front of an apartment house and goes inside. Steve, do you think this is headquarters? The apartment house? I don't know. Could be. Let's go inside. I wonder which apartment Parker was headed for. Hey, look, there's a row of mailboxes over there on the wall. Oh, good. We'll see if we recognize any of the names. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brent. Hey, look at the name on mailbox number three. Alice Gaines. That's the nurse at Santa Tomas Hospital. Well, what do you know? Steve, look. Huh? Parker coming out of the door down the hall. That's her apartment, all right. Come on, out on the street. Right. Did you notice Parker didn't have the book anymore? Yeah. Come on down the sidewalk away. Right. Looks like our little game of who's who is over, Steve. That's probably why Slater struck up an acquaintance with Alice. He was trying to get a line on her. Yeah, but that still doesn't tell me what that string with the four knots is all about. Oh, look, there comes Parker. Heading for his car. Look, can you get a man to watch this apartment house? Sure, Steve. Have him tell us the minute that Alice leaves. All right. Hey, Hmm? Parker's turning around, heading back the way he came. Should we tell him? I'd like you to, Dean. I'll wait here until your man arrives. Then I'm heading for Santa Tomas Hospital. Why the hospital? Look, there was a dynamite raid last night. It was probably engineered by the boss of the operation. Right now, it looks like Alice is the boss. I just remembered someone at the hospital who can tell me whether or not Alice was on duty last night. So I head for Santa Tomas. After walking around the grounds for a few minutes, I spot the guy I'm looking for, Senor Morales, the patient in the wheelchair. He's sitting over near one of the fountains. Oh, good afternoon, Senor. Mitchell is in a... That's right, Senor Morales. I presume you would like to talk to Alice, but she is not on duty yet. Matter of fact, I came here to talk to you, Senor Morales. Indeed, and how may I serve you? Is uh, Alice Gaines your regular nurse? She and I have never seen a better one. She takes excellent care of me. What uh, hours are... For duty hours. From four in the afternoon until midnight. How about last night? Last night? What do you mean? Was she on duty all evening? We, as far as I know... Oh, oh, wait. What is it? I just remembered I retired early, and last night I awoke about 11.30. I called for Alice, but another nurse came instead. She told me Alice had left early, complaining of a headache. I see. Well, thank you, Senor Morales. Thanks a lot. I head for Parker's bar. Dean is sitting outside in the radio car in communication with his man who's watching Alice's apartment. So far, she hasn't budged, and Dean tells me that Parker came straight back to the bar. At this point, I figure it's time I paid a visit to Parker. I find him in the back room. Hey, what's the big idea? You and I are going to have a talk, Parker. Talk? I don't know you. You will. Get out of here. Oh, no. I want to talk about dynamite. Dynamite? Oh, no. Just leave that gun where it is. Let go of me. Hey, where's that dynamite? I hidden? don't know. That refresh your memory any? I tell you, I don't know. Okay, Buster. Stop, stop it. You had enough, huh? Yeah. Okay. Now, I want you to take a look at this piece of string with the four knots. What does it mean? I don't know. Now, look. I'm telling you the truth. I never saw that piece of string before in my life. Okay, then tell me where all that dynamite is hidden. I don't know that either. All right, Parker, you're asking for another one. Look, look, you got to believe me. I just run messages in the organization. 
carried a warning to the boss. That's my job, but yeah, I... Yeah, I saw you delivered a little while ago in a book, wasn't it? Yeah, but honest, I don't What's know... What's the dynamite going to be used for? And don't tell me you don't know that or uh, I'll... Take it easy. Okay. Yeah, I can tell you about that. In the event of war, it's going to be used for sabotage. It's already planted around various places. That I know, but I don't know where. And it's to be set off in the event of war, huh? Yeah, an hour after the boss gives a signal. Signal? What signal? Three skyrockets over Panama City. Red bursts. I see. Okay. Now I'll... Another gun! Steve, you must be hard up for exercise. Yeah, you better have this baby put on ice, Major. All right. My man just radioed that Alice Gaines left her apartment and took a bus. He told me which line. We can pick it up in my car. Okay, let's go. I don't get it, Steve. Alice came right here to the hospital with that book under her arm. Yeah, now she's heading down the path. Keep back. I don't want her to spot us. Wait, look. She stopped beside one of the patients. Hey, that's Senor Morales. Look, she's handing him the book. Yeah, come on. Morales, a man who said he was a friend of yours stopped by. His name is Parker. He wanted me to bring you this book. That is very kind of you, my dear Garcia. I'll take that book, Morales. Me, sir. Thanks. Now, let's see what's in it. Give it back. Steve, what's this all about? It's like we had the wrong party pig, Steve. Yeah, here we are. A note in the front of the book. U.S. agent aware of your identity. Be careful. Looks like that little gag you pulled on Miguel paid off. Very clever of you, Mitchell, but not clever enough. What? Steve. Well, I guess that gun makes you the doctor instead of the patient. Exactly. Now you will all turn around and face in the other direction at once. You won't get very far, Morales. I will take my chances on that. Let me warn you that I am an excellent shot. If any of you turn around before I am out of sight, you will be killed at once. I didn't even know he could walk. Yes, but I don't see how he can get very far. He's pretty weak. Any prolonged exertion is liable to kill him. Well, at least this explains why Slater got acquainted with Alice here. He had a line on Morales and figured this would be a good way to stay close to him. Wait, he's out of sight now. Come on, after him. But Morales had done a good job of dropping out of sight. We searched the entire grounds and surrounding area, but he's gone. Major Dean puts out a radio bulletin on him, and then we head back to Dean's office. It's after dark when we get there. I'd sure feel a lot better if we had Morales in custody, Steve. So would I. He must have been saving an escape plan for a situation like this. Well, all my boys and the National Police are alerted. Sooner or later, we've got to come up. Look, up in the sky. Skyrockets. Yeah, three of them. Red bursts. Steve, that's the signal that you were telling me about. Yeah. Morales figures he might as well shoot the moon now that he's been discovered. And Parker said those charges are already planted. That's right. They'll be exploded in one hour, and we haven't the slightest idea where they are. All right, Steve, what are we going to do? There's 20 minutes gone. We're no closer to the answer. You have all your units alerted. Certainly. I'm in radio communication with all of them. But what good's that do? I don't know where to send them. Yeah, we got to figure out where that dynamite is planted. But how, Steve? Blindfold ourselves and stick pins in a map? Trouble is, there are so many defense installations in this area, you can't cover them all. Well, you can say that again. Here, look. Huh? Here's where we are on the map. Yeah. I can take a compass with just a five-mile radius and draw a circle. Yeah. And in the area of that circle alone, there must be 50 installations. Say nothing of a couple of the canal locks. They're over here. Hey, wait a minute. Ah, what is it? What did you just do? What do you mean, what did I just do? I, I just drew a circle. What about it? Yeah. The string, Dean. The piece of string. Hey, that's right. Did Slater have a code map like this? Sure, sure. I gave him one. He probably burned it when he knew that they were coming after him in his apartment, but he figured out a way to tell us what he knew. Look, I put one end of the string here at headquarters. Yeah. Then I trace a circle with the other end. Now watch where those knots in the string fall on the map. All right. Are they passing over any installations? Uh, wait a minute. Yeah. One of the knots just passed over a canal lock. Copy down the code name. Um, okay. Uh, another knot passed over a radar installation. All right, keep going. Okay, let's see. Third knot passes over the powerhouse. Yeah. The nearest knot. No, that just passes over a hill. Doesn't look like there's anything here, but... Hey, there's a code name on it. Brother, I wonder how he found out about that. What are you talking about? Steve, hidden in the side of that hill is the communication center for the whole canal zone. Blow that up and the entire area is paralyzed. Great. Oh, we'd better get word to your units. Yeah. Attention, all units in security operation. Attention. Unit ABLE. Cover installation code name Watchdog. Unit Baker, take code name Gravy Boat. Unit Charlie, take code name Sad Sack. 
Report completion of mission. Okay, Steve, that takes care of the canal lock, the radar station, and the powerhouse. We'll take the communication center ourselves. Let's go. Here's where we turn off the highway, Steve. Hey, is that the hill up ahead of us? Yeah. They've really done a job of camouflage, haven't they? Wait a minute, look. There's a red light in the road up ahead. A tail light. Yeah, he's stopping at the foot of the hill. Somebody's getting out. Steve, it's Morales. Yeah, so he's doing the honors personally at this location. Stop the car. Okay. I dive out and start running after Morales. He's struggling up the hill toward a clump of bushes, but he's weak and I'm gaining on him. He throws a shot at me. It bounces out of a rock at my left and he starts for the bushes again. He's staggering now, but he keeps going. Then he stops, points his gun at the ground and pulls the trigger just as I jump him. Okay, drop that gun. Steve! Steve, you okay? Yeah. Oh, brother. Morales. Steve, is he dead? Yeah. Alice was right when she said any exertion would kill him, but he couldn't even raise his gun. Just fired into the ground. Huh? But at least he lasted long enough to know that he'd lost out. Too bad he couldn't have hung on long enough to find out the rest of his boys were picked up, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I got the radio report just after you jumped out of the car. All three installations covered. Seven suspects arrested, all dynamite located. Uh, that was really close, but... What's the matter, Steve? Hey, you. You hear anything? No, no, why? Oh, nothing. Hey, you know that shot? It wasn't an accident. He hit a dynamite fuse. Come on. Where is it? I don't know. Over there, Steve. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Come on, find it! I can't. Oh, here, Steve. I got it. There. Oh, brother. Oh. Hey, look. You know where I can find a real cozy spot around here? Cozy spot? What for? So I can have a nice, quiet, nervous breakdown. Move over, I'll join you. <laughs> well, one thing I'm grateful for, anyway. What's that, Steve? That it isn't the 4th of July. Why, what do you mean? If I'd have heard so much as one firecracker go off while we were shagging around after this dynamite, I'd have gone right up and smoke. Steve Mitchell, with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian Jondo, with music by Robert Armbruster, and is produced and directed by Bill Carn. Others in the cast were Stacey Harris, Val Brown, Kay Stewart, Byron Kane, Don Diamond, and Raymond Hartman. Be with us again next week at this same time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another dangerous assignment. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. Make sure to check out our other radio show, 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. Ba 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 